All right, so welcome uh, to our pilot episode of The Julie Norman Show. This is our first podcast. This is a podcast that's focusing on politics, ethics, current affairs, and really a focus on ordinary people who are doing interesting and insightful work in some of these areas. This is our pilot episode. Um, The title is They Call Us and We Go. And in this episode, we're going to be looking at moral obligations in times of crisis. And starting with looking at Corona and COVID-19 and this point that we're at now, but trying to branch out into some other areas as well. I'm really pleased today about our guest for this pilot episode. We have Dr. Kara Huser joining us. Dr. Huser, or Kara, if I can call you Kara, since sister, um, is a medical doctor who specializes in high-risk pregnancy, and she's joining us from where she works and lives in Park City, Utah. Um, full disclosure, uh, Dr. Kara Huser is my sister, so really glad to have her joining the podcast for our first episode. Um, I could easily have her on just to talk about uh, what a great sister she is, but um, she's doing really Aww. amazing work these days in a lot of areas, and I wanted to have her on to to speak about these things. So, Kara Huser, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Julie. Um, so, I'll just dive right in. So, we've been having a number of interesting conversations during this whole corona time, and really, I think what struck me as so interesting was these questions about the morals and ethics around what we do when something like a pandemic hits or something like a crisis hits. And I think what you helped me see was, you know, some of the moral tensions or ethical tensions that doctors and healthcare workers specifically are facing right now with a sense of a moral obligation to treat, you know, patients and and humanity, um, as well as a moral obligation to family, and perhaps even an absence of moral obligation, just a sense of um, pragmatism and, and wanting to watch out for oneself and, and whatnot. So um, kind of these different things in, in, in tension with each other. And, and Kari, you, you had posted a really interesting article last week from the New England Journal of Medicine. Uh, this was an article by Dr. Suzanne Coven that was published on 13 April that was called They Call Us and We Go. And I was wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about this article, why you posted it, and some of the thoughts that you had coming out of that, because I thought they were really quite insightful. Yeah, well, thanks for bringing up that article. I actually really loved it, and it really resonated with me. Uh, Before I talk about it too much, I feel like I should put in a disclaimer, which is that there uh, is a lot of debate in the medical community about the exact topics that you referenced. And I don't think there's any consensus. So I can, I'm going to speak for myself, but um, there are definitely people who see things very differently than I do. That article, that article, um, it, um, they call us and we go, she starts out by discussing in the everyday life of a doctor, what it's like when you get called in the middle of the night or at a clinic to go take care of an emergency and the various emotions that we all have when that call comes through. And those emotions vary. The the initial response varies from uh, 
you know, sometimes even mild annoyance if you're woken up in the middle of the night to um, abject terror if it's something really terrifying and life-threatening. But at the end of all of those initial emotions is a feeling of obligation and of responsibility that we signed up to take care of patients. Almost all of us went into medicine because we wanted to help people and be of service to our fellow humans. And that this is every call that we get is a call to go and do that. Um, One of the quotes in that article that struck me is that if you ever think that you should go see a patient, you should go see the patient. Um, which means that there are times because we're all human when we ask ourselves, like, do I really need to go do this? Is this something that can be dealt with over the phone? Um, can I have the nurse deal with this? But if you think in your head, maybe I should go see this person, then it's probably the right answer to go see the person. Hmm. Yeah. Is there an example from your experience as a doctor where you had that thought and, were called and went or were called and didn't go and thought differently about it afterwards. And there everyday experiences and that happens multiple times per day, right? And it can be really hard to assess on the phone without seeing a patient how acute a situation is. Um, and it becomes very complicated because certainly there are times when I didn't go that I regret it. However, those times were always because I was very busy doing something else and I was trying to triage appropriately and I made a wrong judgment call thinking that someone was more stable than they were and stayed with the patient that I was seeing at that moment instead of leaving right away. Um, I've tried to be very conscientious about not like staying in bed or something because I didn't feel like getting up and seeing someone. So I can't say that that has happened. Um, But I've never regretted going and seeing someone for sure. Um, I can't ever think of an example where I've been called to see a patient and I went to see them and wished later, gee, I wish I hadn't done that. That has never happened. Um, The rest of the article, of course, goes on to talk about um, the moral obligations we have and the the moral conflicts that we all face in the context of a pandemic, um, which is obviously what we're seeing right now. And um, there has been a lot of discussion in the healthcare community about our moral obligation to see patients in in times of pandemic and to to care for victims of um, infectious disease. In uh, historical terms, there have been many pandemics throughout history, of course, and there have been a there has been a spectrum of responses from healthcare workers. Um, anything from doctors running away and leaving the city and abandoning people to their fate um, to doctors staying and risking their own lives to care for patients and to help alleviate suffering. 
And we're basically seeing the same thing here. And I'm talking about doctors because that's what I do, but Mm -hmm. all of it applies, of course, to um, all healthcare workers in this context. Um, But I also see it just across people who are not healthcare workers as well, um, trying to either help people during this time or um, being more inclined to turn away. Um, But to get back to the healthcare part of it, um, you know, I have definitely seen some folks take a position that um, we are not necessarily obligated to risk our own health and safety to care for people in times of a pandemic and uh, to make the pragmatic art- argument that if healthcare workers get ill, we won't be able to take care of anyone um, and that more people will die. Um, And I think that, at least in my mind, we have to make a distinction between what we are reasonably called by duty to do as part of our job and what we signed up for. I would hope that no one went into healthcare not realizing that they would be exposed to infectious diseases. That seems like a great oversight if someone didn't think about that that maybe they didn't think about what they were choosing hard enough. Um, So that when you have adequate PPE or personal protective equipment, you can reasonably protect yourself um, and take appropriate precautions. I see a difference between being asked to do that, which I think we can all say we reasonably signed up for, versus the situation where people are being asked to see pandemic patients and see patients with infectious disease without having the appropriate protective gear. I do see a distinction between those things. Sure. My position on the former um, is that we do have a moral obligation to take care of these patients um, and to help our fellow humans in this situation, I think the latter question is much more difficult because that is not what most healthcare workers signed up for. Um, Mm -hmm. I personally have thought about what I would do in that situation, but I don't think that the answer is as clear cut. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you've said so much there that I want to come back to a few points, but one phrase that you've said a number of times is, Um, that you signed up for this or that medical workers or doctors in particular uh, knew what they were signing up for, so to speak. And and I guess I just want to to press you a little bit on that. Like, do you think doctors really um, signed up for this, so to speak? I mean, is is that something that you really, um, that you think most people thought about this kind of possibility or reality uh, when they were in you know, medical school or in their training that, that this would be something they would have to confront? Like, how, how much do you think that resonates for, for the profession outside of just yourself individually? If you had asked me this question a month or two ago before this pandemic, I would have said, based on my own experience, that I would have thought that everyone would have thought about that. I certainly did. When I chose medicine as a profession, some of the things I thought about were, 
how can I be of the most service to my fellow humans? What is a profession that I can choose that even in the worst of times, I can still be useful and have useful skills to help other people? And so that is something that I gave a lot of thought to. And I suppose I thought that everyone would have thought about but in reading just online chatter, um, Facebook posts and um, Twitter, you know, posts and things like that, it seems that that is maybe not the case. Um, and in talking to friends in other parts of the country who have had colleagues refuse to take call during this time and things like that, it seems like perhaps not everyone sees it in the same way that I do. And I, I do have to, again, put a disclaimer in there that everyone has different circumstances. So while we can say that we, you know, signed up for this, there are extenuating life circumstances that I think really do exempt someone from that situation, either temporarily or permanently, that were maybe unforeseeable. So for example, you are a physician, but you are also immunocompromised. Maybe mm -hmm. you have lupus or you have an autoimmune disease, and now you are on immune suppressants and you are much more susceptible to infectious disease, or you are pregnant or you live with someone who is very susceptible. I do think that those situations add an element of complexity to it. I sure. try not to be too black and white. I don't know anyone else's life, so I am trying very hard not to feel judgmental or disappointed when I hear my colleagues who don't have extenuating circumstances say that they feel like this is not what they signed up for. But I can tell you from personal experience that I felt like this is exactly what I signed up for. And in fact, is one of the reasons that I signed up for it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting just to hear uh, to hear your reflections on this, see some of your posts with your colleagues and just see what a big conversation this is right now uh, in the medical field with, um, with people kind of grappling with this perhaps for the first time. Uh, you, you mentioned, though, too, in, in your, your initial response that people who are not necessarily doctors or healthcare workers or in the medical um, sector that there's many people, you know, outside medicine who are also, I guess, also kind of responding to the call, if you will, to, to oh, go back absolutely. to the name of the, that, that article. And, and, you know, for you, you know, I've heard you situate a lot of your motivation within your profession and kind of this professional obligation, perhaps dovetailing with a moral obligation. What, what do you think maybe drives some of some of these other individuals and communities to be doing what they're doing in times like this? Well, obviously medicine is not the only profession in which we can serve our fellow humans. Um, I have always felt very driven in 
in my life in general as a very big picture life motivator to do that. And that is one of the things that caused me to choose medicine as a career. However, there are many other people in the world who are motivated by those same uh, principles who would choose a different career for the same reason. Uh, Medicine is certainly not the only way to do that. Um, And even a career profession is not the only way to do that. You could choose a different profession, but still be motivated by these same core principles and do it outside of your profession. I see lots of people um, volunteering to help others, really going out of their way. I mean, even if you look at, for one, all of the quote unquote essential workers, I mean, everyone going out and kind of risking their own health to do their jobs, I think that is very admirable. Um, And you see folks who have closed their small businesses um, when they maybe didn't have to, which is a huge financial and personal hit, and they are doing it out of altruistic reasons. So I think we see altruism all, all around us. It's certainly not unique to the medical profession in any way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think in your in your post that day, you had written something to the effect of you know your choices and the choices of others who are um, you know putting themselves out there, so to speak, during this time. You wrote, it it isn't about heroism or martyrdom, but about humanity. And I was wondering if you could say a little bit more about that because I that's something I guess have been wrestling with a little bit throughout this as well with. Um, uh, you know, I, I think in, in one way, rightly seeing, you know, medical professionals and, and healthcare workers as, you know, heroes during this time. And yet, um, you know, some of us, I guess, doing more of just the, the volunteer thing. It just, it just seems like the human thing to do rather than anything particularly uh, heroic. And so I, I've been kind of wrestling with, um, with that a little bit, because it's, it just seems kind of like, uh, what what we do as humans is to help each other I, out in times like this. And I, I was wondering about how, how you saw that. I agree 100%, um, which is, uh, of course, why I wrote that. Um, for one, I think trying, I personally try not to be motivated by, like, wanting to be, like, a hero or a martyr because I see those sort of as selfish motivations um and the whole point is supposed to be to help other people and it's it's as they one thing that I try to teach my medical trainees is that it's it's not about you it's about the person that you're helping um and this is a much much bigger question right like why anyone is motivated by altruism like can you ever really be motivated by altruism or is it always that it makes you feel good and then it isn't altruism these are questions that like much smarter than me people than me have like pondered and I'm sure have something smart to say um but I think there's a couple of things here one I think when you turn people into heroes or martyrs you can get them to do you can manipulate them into doing things that they wouldn't ordinarily do Mm. Um, and that maybe they don't see as 
right or even good. Um, and there's been a lot of talk about that in the medical community as as calling health workers heroes as a way to sort of like get them to throw themselves on the grenade, so to speak, without adequate PPE and things like that. Mm. Um, kind of almost as a way to get people to do what you want. Um, so that's that's one side of it. Um, but I, I think the bigger question and what you're getting at is, or at least the way I see it, is am I, am I doing this because I want people, is it self-serving or is it not self-serving? Um, and self-serving in the way, like, do I want to be able to say, look at me, I did this thing, I'm such a hero, and receive adoration and adulations and a ticker tape parade? That's one thing. And, and, and I don't, I try very hard not to let that be a motivation and instead let humanity be a motivation. And just the fact that we should or do feel empathy towards our fellow humans um, and being able to put ourselves in the position of someone else and to see someone else suffering and to want to do what we can to help alleviate that, I think is a very human trait. And it is something that I admire in other people. And so I try to emulate it when I can. Um, you and I have talked about this before, but I think that in my sort of dim but also uh, optimistic view of humanity, I think that humans as a species are capable of incredible evil and callousness and selfishness. But I also think that as a species, we are capable of profound altruism and goodness and creativity and selflessness. And quite honestly, I would have given up long ago if I didn't believe deep in my heart that the second part was also true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, I know that you um, refer to that sentiment a lot, which I, I always find a kind of a, a good one to go back to, but what, what did convince you of that sentiment uh, initially? And do you think it's, do you think we lean one way more do you think we lean to one side or the other more during a crisis uh, than not? Like, does the crisis bring out one side or the other uh, more strongly, do you think? I don't know the right answer to that. I think that just looking around, this is just my own anecdotal experience. There may be people who have studied this and there may be an actual answer. I don't know what it is. But in my kind of anecdotal take, I would say, no, it doesn't make us lean one way or another, but it does exacerbate those innate traits. It seems to me that um, selfishness and um, the looking out for number one instinct is intensified, but so is the instinct for helping other people and being altruistic. I, I see them as being more 
emphasized or being more stark now, but not necessarily weighted on one side or the other. Mm-hmm. Do you consider yourself brave? No, not really. Um, I mean, I don't know. Um, not especially. Well, I'll pivot to... Um... I feel like I should have something more to, to say about that, but... <laughs> that, that's, I, I mean, yeah, go ahead. I think I posted a quote at some point from Neil Gaiman that I will try to find, but it says something that bravery is not about being not scared. It is being about being very scared deeply scared and doing the right thing anyway. And I, and I, I do believe in doing the right thing, even if you are frightened, but I don't think that I'm better at it than anyone else. I think that is a hard thing. It's a hard ask. It's a big ask, but I think it is very admirable and I admire it in other people and I try very hard to emulate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I've seen you uh, reference that Neil Gaiman quote before also. So thanks for bringing that in. And I'll, um, I'll try and link to that as well. I just want to pivot to one other area, which is related to this, but not not the corona aspect. So you, in addition to uh, working on high-risk pregnancy and being on the front lines of COVID-19, you are also a live liver donor and uh, you were scheduled to donate part of your liver to an infant who you did not know. Uh, I think last week was your scheduled donation date initially and I understand that's been postponed obviously because of the current situation but this seems kind of another slice of this sense of I guess medical altruism perhaps um, where kind of you're doing this you know, rather selfless thing with, with definitely, you can see the medical end of it probably a lot more clearly than, than a lot of us lay people could do. But I was wondering if you could just speak to your motivation for that and, and to how you see it, if at all, linking to some of these uh, other things that we've been talking about with um, kind of a sense of duty to others and whatnot. Yeah, sure. Um, so as you said, it did get postponed. Um, because uh, the potential recipients on our list are stable right now, um, and we don't want to further um, immunosuppress them during a pandemic. So it's a careful balance of their stability versus how soon they need a liver, et cetera. Anyway, um, so yes, it's, it's still going to happen probably this summer once the worst of the pandemic has passed, we hope. Um, my motivation initially, I just, I heard about it from a friend who had donated her kidney to her husband and was an advocate for this and started talking about how this is something that people do. You can do this, you can do it to some, for someone you don't know. Um, and you know, I thought about it and I hadn't known about it before, but once I knew about it, I didn't feel, uh, I almost felt like it wasn't something I could not do, if that makes sense. 
I tried to think of a whole bunch of excuses and good reasons to not do it. And they all sounded kind of hollow to me. Um, I'm in a position of health and a financial and a social position that I'm able to do this. And a lot of people are not, um, including a lot of family members of people who need an organ are not, um, you know, healthy enough or in a job where they can take that time off or a financial situation where that's feasible for them. Um, and I am in that situation. And so I felt like I couldn't let someone suffer when I had the ability to stop them from suffering. One of the things that I think I talked about in that post was um, being willing to um, turn towards human suffering instead of away from it. and I think that's one of the things that motivated me here. Um, it seemed like something that I I could offer, and um, so started the process and found out that I was a candidate. And it turns out that I am my anatomy is such that I am uh, only able to donate to a child, um, which I will admit to liking that idea anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, I initially only kind of wanted to donate to a child. However, kind of saying that that's all you were willing to do brings up a lot of complicated ethical questions about Mm -hmm. choosing one life over another and things like that. Um, But fortunately, it was chosen for me based on my anatomy. So that worked out okay for me. And uh, how was it having that postponed last week? I will admit that it was difficult. Um, I think you get yourself kind of geared up for to do it, right? It's it's a little bit of a of a mental lift to have a major surgery and be in the hospital for a while and to make those arrangements with other people, like for coverage at work and things like that, um, and then to have it not happen. I admit to feeling a little bummed that day. However, going back to it being not about me, um, the most important thing is that the recipient is safe and the healthcare workers are safe. And of course, that I am safe as well. Um, I 100% trust my team here. Um, they're through Intermountain Healthcare and the University of Utah. And I respect my team for making the right decision, even if it's the hard decision. And those are the kind of doctors that I want taking care of me. Um, so I trust them to, to do, to do the right thing. Um, and I do have to say, I feel like I I just need to get this out there. You can cut it if you want. Um, but I have gotten a lot of like praise for doing this and a lot of, you know, you're such a good person and, but I'm not really, it's just a way that I saw to help people. You know, I see other people doing things on a daily basis um, and doing all kinds of things to help other people that I'm not doing. So I think that we all, or many of us have our own ways of contributing. Um, This happens to be something of a visible way. um, 
because you need to enlist other people's help in arrangements and things. But I see a lot of other people doing things that aren't as visible, but are equally helpful. Um, so I just feel like I, I need to get that out there. Mm-hmm. Um, well, on that note, is there anything that we haven't covered or chatted about that you'd like to add or um, touch on? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, I look at the work that you do throughout the world and I see that as um, driven by many of the same motivations that um, that I have. Um, and I've asked you about this before, um, you know, going to some of some very challenged places in the world and and how do you how do you handle that? Like, how do you keep from just having a totally dim view of humanity? And what you have told me is that you look around and you see people doing small things to help others in the ways that they can, given their circumstances, and that that's something that gives you hope. And I try to remember that as well. And I have found that actually to be something that I hang on to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, we're both in very different fields and sectors, but it's, uh, it's, it's often very interesting how that, how that thread of motivation, we can often see the parallels between, uh, between our two worlds and fields, even though they're very far apart. And I could never really be doing the stuff that you're doing, but it's, it's always really interesting to be able to connect with you on some of these more deeper, almost like I might seem like primal kind of motivations behind some of it. And, uh, and it's always refreshing to speak with you about it. And vice versa. I couldn't do the stuff that you're doing, which is kind of what I mean when I say that I see people, many people helping in their own way. And I, I find that to be, to give me a lot of hope for (laughs) humanity and um, just kind of make me, feel better about the world in general. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, again, this may be more than you need to know, but, um, you know, we, I thought about actually going to one of the harder hit areas um, for the pandemic. My area, while I'm still going to work and seeing a lot of patients because labor and delivery and pregnancy is already on a timetable and doesn't stop. And so there's some risk inherent in that. Our area is not overrun at the moment. And I um, had initially signed up to go to New York City, which is one of the harder hit areas, um, and ended up not going. But it was a very difficult conversation with my family and my partner. um, And it ended up making more sense for other people to go mainly because there are other physicians right now who are actually not doing as much work since a lot of uh, elective surgeries and stuff have been canceled and all of my stuff is still going on. Um, But it, it rose, it, it brought up some very interesting questions that really made me kind of think about a lot of these other um, bigger issues. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know we, um, I know we talked a little bit at that time when you were, when you had that, that possibility and, uh, and yeah, a lot of the different considerations that were going into that. 
Um, well, I'll just close with, uh, I know you're a very avid reader. And so I was just wondering if you have any recommendations for books, articles. Um, I mean, we've referenced the New England Journal of Medicine article. Again, that was published on April 13th by Dr. Suzanne Coben, and I'll try and link to that. Um, but are, is there anything else that you've uh, read, listened to lately that you would recommend on any of these topics or anything else that's motivated you? That's a hard question. I feel like I would have to send you a whole list. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I'm currently, I can tell you what I'm currently reading, um, which is called Armageddon in Retrospect. And it is a series of essays by Kurt Vonnegut, who is one of my favorite authors. And it was published posthumously by his son, who is also a physician. Um, And uh, you may not know, but Kurt Vonnegut was the president of the American Humanist Association, um, which is a association that is not religious, but that believes that we have uh, a obligation to our fellow humans to help them and to do what we can. And a lot of, a lot of his books, not just this one in particular, have that theme and reference that. So since that's what I'm reading at the moment, I can throw that out as an idea, but I could also send you a whole, whole, Uh whole list. I know that you can, but that's, that's great actually. Um, and I did not know that Kurt Vonnegut was, um, the head of the humanist society. Um, I'll just mention too the, the again that that article that we keep referring to the they call us and we go the, the title I understand was a reference to the first line of a poem by William Carlos Williams uh, published in 1921 and uh, Williams himself being a poet but also a physician and yeah. that poem was called Complaint and the first line of that poem uh, is they call me and I go. And then it, it goes on to describe his interaction with a woman uh, going into labor on kind of a cold winter night. So um, I'd also just recommend that that poem along with the article that I'll try and link to afterwards. I have also um, ordered on my, my bookshelf here, I just got The Plague by Camus, which I haven't read in a long time, but is also referenced in that article and so I thought it had been a while and it seemed uh, apt to read it again. Yeah, I feel like I've seen that one going around uh, quite a bit <laughs> these days. Yes, obviously. Obviously. Um, but Kara, uh, thank you so much for the chat today. I know your family's waiting to spend your day off with you so we won't keep you any longer. But thank you so much for your comments and for your insights and uh, hero or not, just for all your continued good work on the big scale and the small scale and everything in between. Oh, thanks for having me, sister. I love you. All right. Love you too. Bye. Bye. All right. Thank you again to Dr. Kara Huser, who again was joining us from Park City, Utah. Once again, this is The Julie Norman Show. You can subscribe to get our latest episodes on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be kind, stay well, take care of each other, and please join us next time.